2: We are in this new era where the strike is over, and I'm it's got me reflective about about my career. Okay, <laughs> I'm doing. You know what made me think of? Did I tell you that my first job was Blockbuster in high school? Did
0: you tell me, girl? <laughs> what are you talking about? I known you for twenty years. I <laughs> actually think I remember seeing pictures of you like working at Blockbuster. So. In my little uniform. Oh, you're a little cute uniform. You're such a helper, though. I can imagine, like, sitting behind the little desk, like, giving movie recommendations and stuff. Talk oh, to yeah. me about that uniform, though. Because oh, like it oh. was like pre-target, right? It was like a it khaki. It was it
2: was a khaki pant. I was into a capri, a capri from old not navy. Not capri,
0: wait, do you... capris were in then. You're so right, they were in.
2: Yeah, but you know what, bitch? I was ahead of the curve, and I'm still pissed about it because they were calling me. They were saying I was wearing high waters. No, I was wearing pedal pushers before they were cool.
0: Oh my god! And so then many the things next are year, coming out of my mouth right now. Go continue. <laughs>
2: And I was wearing a capri pant with my little dark blue blockbuster polo, my uh-huh. little name tag, um, Wait, and a I pedal listened. pusher. Is
0: that that's what they? What, were... That's
2: that's what a capri was called in like, like the nineteen seventies. The... Yeah, yeah, I like being historically accurate. You <laughs> feel me? Um, but I loved working at Blockbuster. I took full advantage of my free rentals and no late fees. Bragging a little. Wait a
0: minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, I free rentals, okay. No late fees, though? No. Wow, the perks of employment. You know what the worst thing about those late fees was, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a shared account, right? Because you would show, <laughs> and I know you had this all the time working there. You would show up mm-hmm. and you'd be like, oh, I got my movie for the night. And they'd be like, mm, eh, eh, wrong. You didn't yeah. return your last one. And turns out it was just your family member on your shared account.
2: Oh, yeah, it's so true. Were you so you were racking up the late fees?
0: (laughs) Who who dare you? No, I put Mr. Blockbuster's kids through college with those damn late fees for real.
2: (laughs) We're going to talk about late fees this episode for real. But before we get into late fees, when I was working at Blockbuster, we would always play six degrees of Kevin Bacon. And Mm -hmm. I had one manager who was very good at it. I'm sure you remember this game as a as a cinephile.
0: Oh, yes. No, I, I very much know this game. Do I play it well? No, but tell the class how you play it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so if you've never heard of this game, the premise is if you are a real film and TV buff, you should be able to connect any actor to Kevin Bacon in Six Moves or Less, a.k.a. Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon.
0: Which is hilarious because, I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy that well, how did this happen for Kevin Bacon? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, listen, I will say this. He stays booked and busy and he yes. has a full ass head of hair. So there's something he's doing something right. right? He's
2: doing something right.
0: <laughs> OK, I want I want to manifest like six degrees of DeLon Grant's career, like where you, you know, take my 200 self tapes and you <laughs> give me a job. <laughs> you, you say, what <laughs> movies should DeLon have been in? <laughs>
2: Uh uh six degrees of Delon didn't book. That's maybe that's...
0: <laughs> that, that. That didn't book
2: this one, he didn't book this one. Uh you, but play you know played my
0: career. The, the strike is over, so maybe he might start booking. Okay.
2: Okay, maybe he will. Okay, so I also admit that I do not know Kevin Bacon's resume like that, but in the spirit of my blockbuster days, I thought we could play the same game, but with Beyoncé. I'm calling it six debes of Beyonce. Hold for laughs. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm not laughing for the reason you think I'm laughing. (laughs) Okay, get it? Degrees and bees,
2: the beehive (laughs) debes?
0: No, friend, we get it. (laughs) Oh, we got it. She loves a fucking fun. You play the game, play the
1: game. Okay,
2: okay, okay. So I'm gonna give you an example and then you can try. And class, feel free to play along at home. So I'm going to try Beyonce and the Cash Me Outside girl. Remember her?
1: Oh, God. From Dr. Phil. Catch me outside. How about that? Catch you outside. What does that mean?
0: (laughs) What I just said. Girl, that's from the recesses. You grabbed that. Yeah, it's okay.
2: I wish I could could forget her. (laughs) But Cash Me Outside. How about that? Okay, so. Uh, six debes of beyonce So beyonce was in the fighting temptations movie with cuba gooding jr do you remember that the recesses
0: friend yes totally
2: i listen i love this cuba gooding jr was in jerry Maguire with tom cruise
0: okay tom
2: cruise famously jumped on oprah's couch up and down (laughs) yes that's a credit in my mind yeah um Oprah introduced us to Dr. Phil. And unfortunately, Dr. Phil introduced us to Cash Me Outside Girl. Five to B's, bitch.
0: Whoa! You know what? I'm giving it to you. That is impressive and depressing. Did I say? <laughs> Dare I say? Uh, wait. Impressing? Depressive? Press squared? I don't know. You know, you're the pun queen you tell me.
2: Okay. Well, you know what? I like that you tried. Okay. So look here. Um. All right. So I'm going to give you two names. Uh, Beyonce. And Florence Pugh—that's the oh. British white girl from. Uh, she was in *Midsommar* and *Little Women*.
0: Oh God, two two movies. My gay ass has not seen yet. I <laughs> know, do I care? <laughs> too okay, okay. Uh, can I work backwards? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why okay, not? Okay, great. So Florence Pugh was in mm-hmm. *Don't Worry, Darling* with Harry Styles. Yes. And Harry Styles had that old unseasoned uh, ass elevator music first album, um, that was nominated for a Grammy. And we know Beyonce should have won that Grammy. Two to B's of Beyonce, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wait, wait. No, no, no. Uh, no, listen, no. Uh, listen. Listen.
2: Listen. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs>
0: Let me fix it. Welcome back to Let Me Fix It, the podcast that asks why juggernaut brands became nostalgic farts in the wind. <laughs> I'm Delon Grant. I'm an actor, a writer, and a photographer. And
2: I'm Francesca Ramsey. I'm an actress, a producer, and a writer, and a former graphic designer. And this week's episode is very near and dear to my heart. As a TV writer and the home of my very first W-2, <laughs> that's right. This episode is all about blockbuster.
0: Yeah, and Fran, I think this is this topic is just so perfect for our show because It combines all the things we love media, tech, millennial nostalgia, and of course, a brand's unbelievable fall from grace. Mm -hmm. So in the 90s and Early aughts. That's right. I said it, Francesca, because I know you love it. Stop making
2: aughts. I, you, I'm surprised you say naughties. <laughs> you are the one trying to make naughties happen, sir. The brand is falling because of you. <laughs>
0: now you call me Gretchen Wieners over here. Um, <laughs> so in the 90s and the early 2000s, Blockbuster absolutely dominated the movie rental market with thousands of locations worldwide and over 45 million customers.
2: But by 2010, the company was forced to file for bankruptcy. And today, there is only one physical blockbuster left standing in the world. So we are going to dive into how the video rental giant went from let's make it a blockbuster night to not a blockbuster is sight. (laughs) And then... (laughs) She's a writer. She's not on strike anymore. It's also
0: the delivery. You better go.
2: (laughs) Okay, so as always, after we dive into their history, we are going to pitch how we would revamp the brand for today. So Blockbuster, let me fix it. So our story begins in the early 1980s when buying a VHS tape was so expensive that renting was the only solution. Now, Delon, can you guess... How much a VHS tape cost
0: in the mid '80s? I feel like I'm I'm on Jeopardy right now. Um, mm-hmm. yo, I, it you're was not expensive. gonna win
2: any money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like I got no money to give I you. I have <laughs>
2: nothing. to, Despite what Instagram thinks, your girl yo, she's has a no
0: millionaire. Money. <laughs> um, wait, so I it, no, it was like but it was like a hundred dollars or something, right? It was like really expensive.
2: You're you're you are in the right ballpark. It was around eighty nine dollars. Which is roughly $336 that Whoa.
0: Is that inflation? Yeah. Damn.
2: Yeah. So, you know, because it was so expensive, most rental places were small mom and pop stores. So they could not afford to have multiple copies of movies. So in those days, it was not uncommon for your local rental store to only to have one copy and then there'd be a waiting list for the most popular movies. Enter Blockbuster, the brainchild of Texas husband and wife, David and Sandy Cook. When their computer software company started to flounder in the 80s, they went searching for the next big thing.
0: What they found was a giant, gaping, hungry, <laughs> loose, cavernous <laughs> hole of a market share.
2: <laughs> Not you so thirsty that talking about the market starts getting you all hot and bothered, sir. Single, ready
0: to Mingle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Get your mind out of the fucking gutter. <laughs>
0: Always in the gutter. You know me. So they, they they found a big hole in the market share left by the small local rental video stores. They also saw the number of home VCRs were climbing and expected to, to double by the 90s. P.S. Mm. This is kind of reminding me of Kodak. All these yeah. companies and brands that fell. Um, class, just take some notes here, you know, from us here. Let me fix it. Before you start mm-hmm. a business, you got to research the competition and then see where there's an opportunity to seize it. OK,
2: I love that. I mean, even though it didn't work out for them, clearly, because they're a topic of our show. But I will add that that is also a great strategy for making life moves. You mm. know, Survey what's going on out here and then see where you could get in, where you could fit in.
0: That's right. That's right. That part. You hear her? So The Cooks came up with the idea for a video superstore. The plan? Offer a big movie selection and thus beat out the competition. For their first location, they picked a spot near a number of upscale apartments, a.k.a. close to people with disposable income who could afford VCR players. So smart. So smart. Right? So smart. Like, I wouldn't even think that. Um, I would
2: have never. They were like, y'all got some money. Let's put a store right here.
0: Well, and here's my question. I wonder what VCRs cost at the time. If the movies were $100, the VCRs had to be like your whole home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You had to to have a lot of money to have a VCR at that time. So
0: so the cooks also invested $800,000 into the business, which is around $2 million today with inflation. And of course, it's all history. It paid off. Breaking news. Da-da, 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 da-da. That's my breaking news sound. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, okay. Th- this just in some people with money were smart about making more money with their money.
2: Ugh. I, it's always so funny because I feel like every day there's some rich person being like, if you just set aside a thousand bucks a month by the end of the year, you're like, bitch, who has a thousand bucks to set aside? Like, a of course thousand? you guys had. You know, they are always just cut out Starbucks. Stop eating
0: avocado toast. <laughs> you know what? And listen, for the poor person, they're just like, yo, all I have is Starbucks. Starbucks brings That's, me joy in this moment.
2: That so. is my one indulgence every, you know, few weeks or so. And so when you hear these stories, again, they obviously created a big business, but they had money to begin with to invest in the business. Right. You
0: have money to make money. You need money to make money. And on the first Absolutely. day they opened this business in 1985, there was a line around the block waiting for the doors to open. Now, unlike the mom-and-pop stores, Blockbuster offered a wider range of movie titles with multiple copies. Now, why did they do that? Because Blockbuster, again, Fran, could afford to buy the copies Mm -hmm. because they had an Mm -hmm. investment. Most of the mom-and-pop shops had to participate in a revenue share with the movie studios, making the latest inventory available so like
2: okay not the studios being a pyramid scheme you back then and today you
0: know and riddle me this this went to the supreme court because the movie studios did not want to you know if you bought a movie they were like no you can't make money on the movie but that
2: is so what
0: what but these small wow. mom and pop shops went to the supreme court and then eventually the supreme court was like no there's a thing where like if you it's like if you sell me a shirt, Fran, you can't say, it's "Well, my you, shirt, yeah, you can't say, well, if you sell that to you know um out of the closet, then I need a commission on that. No, I bought right. the product from you anyway oh um so another factoroid Blockbuster also made the rental checkout process digital and thus a lot quicker. They could rent more movies mm. faster, thus make more money, right? Another major difference in their business model, the company charged late fees for overdue rentals as a primary source of revenue. Now, little did Blockbuster know that those fees would later come to bite them in the butt. That became part of their downfall.
2: It's common. It's Woo. like, dun-na, dun dunna. We got the <laughs> Jaws. Jaws
0: reference. Yo, cute, cute, cute. I'm giving it thank to you. Thank you,
2: very, Thank you very much. So, within a year, business was so good that the company invested in a $6 million distribution warehouse with a giant library of VHS tapes for just four locations. Are you okay? kidding? Wow. Mom and pop, y'all are shit out of luck because Blockbuster has inventory. Seriously. So, in 1987 they sold the company to several investors for a whopping 18.5 million which is about 36 million dollars today wow. okay so these new investors were super aggressive about expanding the company buying up existing small rental stores and opening up countless blockbuster locations it's giving monopoly Kinda. monopoly man <laughs> so within a year blockbuster was america's top video rental chain with over 400 stores nationwide Blockbuster's success led to rapid expansion throughout the late 80s and 90s, and the company adopted a franchise model, allowing individual store owners to license the Blockbuster name and benefit from the corporate brand. Now, fun fact, the store that I worked in was a franchise. Mm. Um, I was a junior in high school, and then I was there my senior year. Also in college for a few years I worked there. There was actually three different locations. They were owned by the same guy. And we would bounce around at the different stores. And there was always drama. It was always like, who's going to be in the better store?
0: Oh, Which Um, one was the better store?
2: um, The one off of Lake Worth Road was very cute. I remember like the... um, all of the cool guys would, like, park in the parking lot and, like, mm. hang out and, like, smoke weed and stuff. Um. And, like, it, it was kind of like they would come in and, like, do a loop through the store and all the girls would be like... like
0: you- <laughs> God, the things we did in high school, the things... That, like, we had nowhere to be and so, like, you, going, we had you know,
2: the- no, We had nowhere to be. Like, I would have... I would wear my, like, little blue eyeliner to match my Blockbuster
0: outfit <gasps> I know if I was did. in the cute...
2: You know! You know Wait, I was
0: in the cute store. I know she would. Wait, I also, like... This is, well, you'll tell me if it's a pun or not, but you said franchise. And I was like, oh, was it a franchise? That-
2: oh, Ooh. that is a. Okay, wait a second. I'm putting that in the vault because I feel like <laughs> the day I actually book a job and could put some money into something, I'm starting a franchise.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Please market that. So the stores really became known for their distinctive blue and yellow signage and they're making a blockbuster night branding. By the 1990s, Blockbuster had gone international and was bought up by the media powerhouse Viacom.
2: Okay, now I get to chime in with a nerdy branding factoid. Um, This is me in my Delon era. So (laughs) I just feel like make it a Blockbuster night is such a good slogan. So smart. Let me tell you why. So Blockbuster became a saying in the 1940s in reference to Blockbuster bombs that were capable of destroying a whole block of buildings. Then in uh, 19... Forty-three. I know, it's kind of like very morbid. I didn't even know that, morbid. wow. I know, this is so interesting to me. So in 1943, there was a movie ad in Variety magazine... That described the film as a blockbuster of all action thrill service shows. And from then, Blockbuster became synonymous with a successful movie, making it the perfect name for a movie store. Okay. So and smart. then you'd really drive the brand home by making a blockbuster night a call to action. Does Ooh. the class hear how turned on I am right now? Okay. <laughs> the basement <laughs> is flooded.
0: She's rubbing her nipples currently. <laughs> 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 oh <laughs>
2: I mean, listen, I'm sorry. The brand is branding, and the I brand love
0: brilliant. it. Wait, oh. no, you're so right, though. Make it a blockbuster night. The call to action is so smart. Because, like, I want to rent a movie, but I don't want to go to the movies. I want to actually just sit at home yeah. and be with my family or go on a date or have, you know, it was the, you know, Netflix and chill before Netflix I, and chill, I was right? literally
2: about to say it, like, predates Netflix and chill. It's so Clever, which I is why it. their fall from grace is fascinating.
0: I know. I also just love that you're such a graphic designer. You're I like the you. branding. <laughs> 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 it's
2: what so the, true.
0: One <laughs> of the others, soft branding things that blockbuster created was a culture like we we're just kind of talking about for around movie going mm-hmm. i loved going to blockbuster like well, again i had nothing to do in high school i would just like roam around with friends in high schools trying to find a movie to rent aka just loitering you know because yes. we had nowhere else to be um but you got to hold the case you know something tangible you got to read the synopsis and see like oh what might i want to want to read what candy am i gonna buy you know mm-hmm. also because you worked there, riddle me this: What was up with the smell in that place? Wasn't that always like a distinctive I smell? I mean, in our store, it was weed.
2: People, somebody <laughs> put a joint in the box one time, and we smoked that motherfucker in was the box. Probably somebody left a joint in the movie box. I will never forget this. And I had this one manager that we all thought was so cute. He was not cute. I, I looked him up on Facebook and I was like, damn, the goggles, the high school goggles <laughs> have me see something in that grown ass man. That I don't know what it was. He was only like a few years older than us, but like we just thought he was so cool. Yeah, And we smoked that joint.
0: I bet Add- you, listen waste not want not girl please <laughs> especially and that at that point it was still illegal no give it to me
2: yeah i mean honestly i'm amazed that i didn't end up on the back of a milk carton i feel like oh. there was probably something in that like I mean, risk gives a good joint away right but like
0: right, right. oh my god that's so, so funny at its peak in 2004 blockbuster employed 84,000 people, including Francesca, worldwide, <laughs> and they had over 9,000 stores. Yeah. Blockbuster also played a significant role in popularizing the VHS and later DVD formats. The company introduced innovations such as the concept of new releases and membership programs back to the branding of it all. Like, get so it. Smart. That's so smart. And you had a little t-
2: card with your name on it, and you had to give it to them, and they had to scan it, and you had to, like, keep it in your little wallet. Like, it was truly, like creating a culture around i belong to block i'm a blockbuster
0: member member also like do you remember you do because you work there but like remember they had like three for 20. like Mm -hmm. a five for 25 that was like those deals were like oh i'm getting a steal also part of the branding
2: new releases were more expensive and they would do these special things where they'd be like we can throw in a special new release or like a new movie i remember when the sixth sense came out we had a wall of the Sixth Sense. <laughs>
0: just—that was. It was like a takeover. Yeah. It would be a whole takeover of the movie, and you couldn't help but see that movie. And yeah. then what really piss, would piss you off is you would go and be like, "Oh my God, Sixth Sense!" And they'd be like, "Yeah, we don't have any copies." Then take this shit down. <laughs> Why is there seven thousand copies of Six, Sixth Sense up there, and I can't get it's one? It's
2: building excitement, Delon. The brand Ugh, is exhausting. showing you we had that many. And that many people wanted to rent it, so you better come back tomorrow and hope that there's a copy. (laughs)
0: And hope. And literally hope. You would be like, wait, when is the copy coming back in? At noon tomorrow, I'll be here. Yeah, exactly. But but like most things in commerce, the brand grew and Blockbuster started to face competition from smaller local video rental stores because they copped to the game. They were like, oh, we can Mm -hmm. do it too. Other chains like Hollywood Video popped up. And in 2000, a little startup by the name of Netflix Mm -hmm. approached Blockbuster with an offer to sell their company to Blockbuster for $50 million. Y'all just wait for this, because the jokes, the jokes.
2: This fact (laughs) shook me to my core. Talk about fumbling the bag, okay? Okay. Before we move on, DeLon, do you remember what you were doing in the year 2000? in the year 2000
0: <laughs> I know it's 3000 but I always that's what always pops into my head when I think of it um what was I, I, I we were sophomores um, in high school we were sophomores in high school so I was wearing overalls um <laughs> <laughs> distinctly- what? wait a second. I loved this pair of Dickies overalls that I would wear all the fucking, like, once a week.
2: Okay, not you bringing back train conductor chic.
0: <laughs> they were cute at the time. Like, oh, it was like the oversized, like, you know, TLC chip, you know.
2: Uh-uh. Oh. Motown Phillies. Okay, well, wait, kind but, of okay like, so but. then were you wearing, like, one side down? Because that's the way you're supposed. You can't do both. <laughs> you I wasn't, can't have I wasn't, both I, buckled up. <laughs>
0: i hate you <laughs> so very much because not i you was look not like
2: a former
0: <laughs> i i wasn't cool enough to have one side down i just wasn't cool enough what were you doing
2: um i had just gotten cast in my first play uh at school mm-hmm. of the arts and i was i really thought i was a big deal but the thing i really remember Was the Y2K panic? Do you remember how everybody thought that the year 2000 meant that all of the fucking clocks were gonna explode?
0: It was like the actual world was going to implode. We
2: were. Where did that even come from? I don't know. Everyone was like, the clocks are not gonna understand. (laughs) The the new year is gonna start and the clock is gonna be confused. Like, what did we think was gonna happen? Our fucking microwave was gonna explode?
0: I don't I literally we thought the like electricity was going to go away because of ones and zeros. It was so fucking weird.
2: Oh my god, so freaking funny. Okay, so before we jump back into the Netflix blockbuster rivalry, it is worth noting that the Netflix that we know today uh was not the company that was going into that meeting with Blockbuster back in the year 2000. Okay, so there was no original content, there was no Ta-da. sound and you oh, fired up the app iconic
0: app. iconic
2: because there was no app okay right. streaming did not exist yet uh the netflix streaming platform did not launch until 2007 and even then it offered a very limited selection to start so back in 2000 netflix was just a dvd mailer program where you would get a few dvds in the mail each month and then you would mail them back when you were done
0: factoid Netflix discontinued their DVD mailer program in September 2023. Uh, How crazy is that? After 25 years. What was the last time you got a DVD from Netflix, Fran?
2: I I have I think I think I did it in like 2009. Or 2008 when I was going to the Emmys for YouTube. Oh, and I like yeah. wanted to brush up on all the shows. And I got my little DVDs and I was so pissed because I was trying to watch The Sopranos. And they sent me the DVDs out of order. And I was like, this uh, is season four. I needed season three. And I was like waiting for them. Um, and you, it, was, it
0: ruined your life. It ruined your whole <laughs>
2: absolutely. life.
0: Absolutely. So it's the year 2000. Fran is crying over Y2K. <laughs> I'm wearing overall. <laughs> and and Netflix are the big dogs in California, right? And for their first corporate retreat, they get a call from Blockbuster, and they want to meet with them. This is a huge deal, because at the time, Netflix was in trouble. The dot-com crash had just hit really hard. The DVD by mail rental service was catching on, but not fast enough for the company to be profitable. A few years prior, they turned down a big acquisition from Amazon, But now, acquisition by Blockbuster seemed the perfect way to keep Netflix afloat.
2: So with this in mind, Netflix executives have been requesting a meeting with Blockbuster for months. And now they are in the middle of their first fancy corporate retreat. And Blockbuster calls and wants to meet them at 1130 the following morning in Dallas. Now, Blockbuster has some balls on them because they have been ghosting Netflix for months. And now they're rolling through with a late night booty call. Come on. (laughs) Are you accepting that call at the eleventh hour? What you doing? You up?
0: Well, listen. It, <laughs> I mean, it depends on how desperate. It sounds like Netflix is real desperate. We heard you know. talk
2: about the market, Delon. So don't oh. try to play.
0: <laughs> listen. You need to get it wet. You need to get a wet Netflix.
2: <laughs> Ew. I love how we're turning this like dramatic story into like sex capades. So Netflix co-founder Reed Hastings was like listen i know it's tight but if we charter a plane for 5am the next morning we can make it to dallas for the 11:30 meeting with time to spare but the co-founders were not all on board because chartering a private jet on such short notice was going to be like $20,000 and the company was already struggling
0: yo 20,000 i can't wait i can't <laughs> wait for 20,000 on a private jet so hastings replied we've been waiting for months to get this meeting we're on track to lose a fifty million dollars a year, whether we put up for this or not. Another 20 grand won't make a difference. And he's not wrong.
2: Okay. I'm sorry, was that your frat boy? Was that,
0: that was my your... that was my that was my tech bro. Yes. Tech <laughs> so, bro.
2: Yes, I loved it.
0: Again, I look forward to the day where I'm able to charter a plane for twenty thousand dollars. Fun yeah. fact, the plane they actually chartered because they did go through with this and they went to Texas for the meeting was owned by Vanna White.
2: Okay, give me another Vanna. Okay.
0: Listen, I guess Vanna's been on the air since 1947, so how does she not have a a private plane? But it's kind of crazy.
2: So random that she was just like, on the side, you can borrow my plane. So the Netflix team met with Blockbuster CEO John Antioco, who had started working there just two years earlier, and he had really turned the business around after they had had some financial setbacks, including the very stupid decision to try and sell clothes Boss, Blockbuster close? Nobody, okay? Under Anticoco's leadership, he led Blockbuster through a successful IPO that raised $465 million the previous year. Mm. So in other words, he was really feeling himself as he went into this meeting with Netflix.
0: Well, let me tell you why, why he was also feeling himself and why they hired his ass because mm. John Antioco was also the person that came up with uh, the chalupa <gasps> from Taco Bell. <laughs> so the the literally he worked for Taco Bell and he, he was the came first
2: up with the chalupa
0: with the chalupa. So the chalupa for you guys who don't know who don't eat Taco Bell, <laughs> it's a, it's literally a taco and then like a soft shell taco around On it with top cheese.
2: Of it, yeah. Some people
0: love that damn thing. He c- came it's
2: up. It's like with an that. Inception taco.
0: It's like a <laughs> taco inside a taco. Oh, uh, a, you know I mean? a taco inside a taco inside a taco. I gotta get to the other taco. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Wow. So in the meeting with Netflix, the team went over Blockbuster's strengths and then noted that there were areas where they could benefit from Netflix's expertise. They suggested joining forces with Netflix handling online stuff and Blockbuster focusing on retail stores. It was genius. To which Blockbuster, the team said, nice try, no cigar, deuces. What? I know it's ridiculous. Uh, wait, uh, it's not for me. It's it's <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. It's <laughs> that oh Randy, God, the Randy Jackson. <laughs> it's a no wait, for me, dog.
2: You trying to get into the Randy Jackson? <laughs> <laughs>
0: The way you were like, it's a no. Yeah, but it's not for me. It's...
2: First of all, his voice doesn't even sound like that.
0: Wait, yes, it does though. Randy Jackson sounds like he is like trying to make his voice lower to sound like more of a man. It's definitely a no for me, dog. The voice is just not. He sounds like when I'm talking to a straight dude. That's what Randy <laughs> Jackson sounds like. It's put on performance. I refuse. I accept.
2: Okay, well, listen, I'm going to request a clip as evidence because I do not remember his voice being deep like that. But okay, I'm let's a, I'm, keep...
0: I'm going to give it to you. No for me, dog. So Blockbuster said Netflix was just like every other business online out there. They weren't sustainable and would never make money. Things got heated and the CEOs were going back and forth for a minute before Blockbuster cut to the chase and asked Netflix for their price.
2: Not Blockbuster being like, you just are like every other bitch. Um, very rude. So well. Netflix said to Blockbuster, we want 50 Million, And according to the Netflix co-founder Mark Randolph, the Blockbuster executives laughed us out of the room because the way that Blockbuster saw it, Netflix was a very small niche business. And to be fair, the company was losing money at the time. Mm. But as we know, hard times do not last forever. That meeting ended up being a $150 billion mistake.
0: Gosh, if you could go back, if you could oh, go into the future. If yo.
2: I could turn back <laughs> <laughs> If I could find a, find a way. way. So as of 2023, Netflix has 247.2 million paid subscribers worldwide. And it is valued at 183 Billion, and mind you, even with all that money, Netflix don't want to pay no residuals to writers oh. and actors, and they be raising the subscription fees every damn month. But the strike is over, so so let me not let me not stop my bag before. Oh, let me, right, <laughs> let me look at the
0: fine print before I make some judgments, okay? Because I still need to read and and ratify. The um, but I'm I'm at Netflix. I I hope it's good though. Netflix, we would love,
2: we would love a job. <laughs> we would love to. Please thank hire you. us.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what killed Blockbuster in the end? Two things: debt and late fees. Simply put. Blockbuster kept its lights on by punishing their customers. The company was so reliant on late fees that when Blockbuster tried to get rid of them in 2005 to keep up with Netflix, it tanked the company's valuation overnight. Mm -hmm. Killing late fees ended up costing them $140 million in lost revenue in the first quarter alone.
2: And to make matters worse... Blockbuster was later sued for false advertising when it came to those late fees. Now, anybody that worked at Blockbuster or was a Blockbuster customer will remember that when you would purchase a video rental, there will be this long ass receipt. That would mm-hmm. come out. Do you remember this? And it had mm-hmm. all the lawsuit details on it. It was mm-hmm. always so annoying. You'd sit there and it would just be like printing for like <laughs> minutes. And every customer was like, I don't want this fucking thing. Um, just, like,
0: just like killing trees, though. Just
2: literally. Trees. It was the CVS receipt before the CVS receipt.
0: Totally. So,
2: so essentially, the company had said that they had gotten rid of late fees. But if you did not return a DVD or a video within seven days of renting, they would charge you the full price of the item as if you had bought it. But if you return the movie, you could get your money back. But Blockbuster would then charge you a one dollar and twenty five cent restocking fee, which is just a fucking late fee with a different name. Okay. No. So, I, just like how
0: the fact that they thought they could just get away with
2: this and no one would notice.
0: Well, what's not, what's crazy though, Fran, too, is that like I think companies do this all the time. Oh yeah. Like they do it all the so time. They go with the I it, like, fee.
2: You buy yeah, you buy our, a ticket to Beyonce and they're like, there's a service fee, there's a printing fee, there's a you know, oh 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 fee. You're like, what are all these fees?
0: <laughs> Beyonce's warm up fee. Um, <laughs> I I literally rented a car recently and I was like, I thought this was supposed to cost X amount and it's mm-hmm. double that. Oh and yeah, she was on like, the... oh yeah. Well, that's this fee and that fee and this fee.
2: Yeah, they get you in the door with the like, oh, it's only going to cost you $20 to rent this car. And then they put all this extra stuff on there. And in this instance, they did end up, you know, having to pay this lawsuit and it broke down to about $15 worth of coupons per per customer. So, you know, it really hurt Blockbuster, but it didn't actually put anything in the customer's pocket. It was like you get a coupon to get some more rentals here. Like, bish.
0: Right. And I'm sure like it fucked up the brand too, if you're being sued in some ways, right? Yes, absolutely. So, Blockbuster tried to adapt by offering online D V D rentals similar to Netflix and eliminating their, n- their late fees. But in the wide wise words of JoJo, you know, it's just a little too late. A little too late. We need to do a JoJo episode. Penis. We have to do a JoJo episode, yo. Cause
2: that bitch has talent. From the Ruda to the (laughs) Tudor,
0: and I am—I am just so heartbroken that that she didn't have the she doesn't have the career she should because she's so talented.
2: She's so talented. Back to bookmarking that.
0: Yes. Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy in 2010 due to mounting debts and the decline of its retail rental stores. But at its peak, Blockbuster had, again, over 9,000 stores worldwide. But by the time of its bankruptcy, it had only a few hundred stores left. Dish Network eventually acquired the remainder of Blockbuster's assets in 2011, and the last corporate store closed in 2014. Today, there is one final blockbuster franchise store in Bend, Oregon. Mm-mm. Let me fix it, field trip, Fran. We going? Mm, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> France, like, Delon, you are always talking about these field trips, and we ain't going no Who damn Who the we guys-
2: hell? Wa- <laughs> Listen, class, I'm sure some of y'all live in Oregon, and you are shaking your head right now. But ain't nobody willing willingly going to Oregon.
0: To Bend? I don't even know where that, I mean, where is Bend in the Oregon? I don't even know. I
2: have, I have, no, I can't, you know what, what shape is Oregon? Tell me that.
0: I don't know. I, well, most of them are like a square, right? <laughs> I think, I think of Idaho, which is like a, a club foot. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what Oregon. Oregon I think is a square. I like Washington or something.
2: Oh my God! Well, class, correct us because we, we are the children that were left behind because we don't know. We what are shape, the
0: children of our future. <laughs>
2: we don't know what shape that state is. So okay. now that we have dug in the blockbuster's history, it's time for us to fix the brand. But first, let's take a quick break.
1: And we're back. So now it's time for The
2: Fix, where we each pitch how we would revamp Blockbuster's brand for today. Delon, why don't you go first?
0: don't mind if I do. Um, So Blockbuster suffered a fate that I feel like a lot of movie theaters are experiencing currently. Mm. Fewer people are just going to the movies, right? So I think Blockbuster should partner with an AMC, a Cinemark, and lean into the nostalgia of a fading era, right? But reinvigorate the culture around the movies. I think they should do like blockbuster pop-ups at older movie theaters. Reuse oh. that slogan, make it a blockbuster night, but, like, come to the movies, right? Come back to the movies. Um, and I think they should start by showing, like, 80s, 90s nostalgia movies, early arts movies. <laughs> 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 but but show the ones that are, like, best experienced on the big screen. I think, like, an Independence Day, you know? Like, something mm. that's really, like, boomy or whatever, or something Yeah, or like, Star Wars mil. or something. Star like, Wars, you know? And, like, yeah. have, like, a we have a whole series of them in one day. Um, But just like Blockbuster, I think a really cool thing you might be able to add on to that is when we went to Blockbuster, part of it was choice, right? Part of the culture was choice. So maybe have a vote online to see, oh, what will this, you know, Blockbuster pop-up show? Do you want to see Star Wars? Do you want to see Independence Day? Do you want to see Bridesmaids? Mm -hmm. And based on the aggregate vote, they'll show that. Um, Ooh, it's kind one of, like, of the...
2: it's kind of like vintage meets like the choice of streaming, where you get to pick what exactly.
0: You want, but well, it's and also still old. But it also like to your point about the streaming, like you, choice anxiety is so crazy. When There's just, too many. I will sit there and just scroll and scroll and scroll, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I just wish you know, give me give me three channels again, where it was yeah. like eight eight to ten. I got to see these shows because it's the choice is overwhelming sometimes.
2: Yeah, and um, there's so many choices that they don't—they don't actually promote. They can't even promote all the choices, so you're they like, can't. then you can't even know which ones are good and you're supposed to watch.
0: I know, and you end up watching a lot of shit. Sorry, Netflix. The other cultural thing they can lean into is bringing back the double feature. Remember the double mm. feature and leaning into the nostalgia of movie hopping, like you know, just going from one movie to the another when you were we couldn't afford to pay or you didn't want to pay for all of the yeah. movies. So. Do a theater takeover. You pay for a day pass and you can hop through all the movies that are playing. Also make it like a cookout, you know, at a barbecue. So You can <laughs> buy food because movie theaters make a lot of money via concession. So you're really creating yeah. something that we all know and like booming it out, ballooning it out and um, making it more of a, a cultural nostalgia thing.
2: The double feature thing is interesting to me uh, because look at the success of Barbenheimer, People going to see the Barbie movie, and going, I have not heard it, gold. That you have. <laughs> Bar- Barbenheimer. You never heard that? Yes, you were supposed to go, and this was truly something that the studios were pushing. Because what ended up happening is Margot Robbie was going to the theater, and she was showing her tickets to Oppenheimer, and she's like, "I'm going to uh, go watch the Barbie movie, movie, and now I'm going to go watch Oppenheimer." And Clint, Clint, Killian Murphy, I think is how you say his name. Killian he Murphy, did the, yeah. He did the same thing. And Barbenheimer became a thing where people were going to go see both movies. And I think you're really, you're smart, this idea of like bringing back the double feature, but maybe even doing it in the type of thing where it's like, watch the original and the remake. Watch mm, the. Because oh you, you know they're
0: remaking everything, girl.
2: Literally, they're remaking everything. Or like, or like maybe watch um Pacino's first movie in his latest movie. Oh, or I like love that. You know what I mean? Or or watch the first movie that like these two actors were in before they got married and then like watch the movie where they where they were married. Like something like that, being really clever with how you pair those two together, I think would be really fun.
0: Well, and I love that. What I love about that, too, is like your storytelling within the storytelling. Right. Mm -hmm. You're creating, again, a culture around the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not just like coming for escapism, which is a lot of what movies movie going is. It's, oh, no, we're actually collectively as a society and culture deciding to do this thing around nostalgia.
2: And it's really driving home that make it a blockbuster
0: night make it which is again such a great slogan and the last thing i will add to my fix is you could also add like a panel discussion right mm-hmm. so have an al pacino talk come to the theater in new york or in bend oregon right <laughs> <laughs> sorry no we i'm sorry we don't need to laugh y'all we don't need to laugh we don't need to laugh i
2: just think i listen i love a callback and yes, it's a good i callback. hope i hope that we get a message from somebody in bend that's like, come down here. I'm going to bend my foot in your ass. we talking about my home state.
0: <laughs> I hope you do because you will be well within your damn rights. But add a, add a panel discussion as a part of it to create culture around it. So um, that those are really my fixes.
2: Smart. Okay, so mine feels a little similar in the same world. I would rebrand Blockbuster as a production company specializing oh. in docu-series. So think behind the Blockbuster. People love all of these retrospective documentaries. So I'm thinking that they would attach themselves to productions and handle all of the behind the scenes. So like, Mm. okay, this movie is coming out. The Blockbuster Production Company would be there to do all of the interviews and maybe even do all like the social media stuff and so they'd be like you guys focus on making the movie we will focus on showing people how the movie was made so then after you watch the movie this is what kind of reminds me of your double feature thing maybe after you watch the movie there's like a special offer to watch the behind the blockbuster feature i love that at like a discounted rate or something so like after you watch the movie it like comes up on your phone and it's like here are interviews with the actors it's you know what it is? It's like the I miss the DVD commentary aspect. Oh, of did watching. you watch you
0: actually watch that?
2: I did. I always thought it was in- I liked being able to hear the director talk about like why they made certain choices mm-hmm. or and I watch them too, like on HBO. You know, they have like an after the episode yeah. and they like yeah. talk about it. Like I always think those are really interesting. Um and we've lost that with streaming. And so yeah. I feel like, again, the blockbuster name is so like iconic that giving us that behind the scenes element of some of the movies that we all love. And again, they don't even have to start with like in production movies. They could go back into the catalog and be like, let's go interview some people um, and find out how these iconic movies were made.
0: I love that. I love that, again, because it's culture, right? It's creating culture around the film. And um, I go to Alamo Draft House. Have you ever been to an Alamo Draft House?
2: Love an Alamo. Oh, bring Give me, me the food some to my nuts. seat. Give me some nachos while I'm watching the movie.
0: Come on. It is, listen, it is overpriced, but I'm paying every price. And okay, the food, I love I, it. dare
2: I say, the, the
0: food, food is, is bad. good. The food oh my is my fucking good. As a, yo, get that spicy chicken sandwich. Fuck what you heard. The fuck spicy what chicken sandwich is
2: bomb. I will also add they have those like little recliner seats.
0: <gasps> yes. Yes. I love an Alamo Draft House. So Alamo Draft House does this thing before their movies where mm-hmm. they talk about, like I think the last one I really saw that I remember was um the latest Avatar movie. Mm-hmm. So they talk about not only the actors, but they give you like trivia, they give you factoids, they give you clips about. What it was like to make that movie, interviews with James Cameron, um, Zoe Saldana, like it's creating a culture around it. So I think ballooning that out and creating a movie, a docu style movie on the movie is so smart. I would stick around before and or after for something like that um, because it – it, it uh, I love documentaries, but I love – I do like knowing how things are made and finding out like the intricacies of something. So I think that's I really cool. I mean, people cool.
2: people love that stuff. And, I you know, you bring that up about Elmo Draft House. I went and saw – uh, that horror movie, Talk to Me. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen it. It was actually I didn't see really, it, no. it was really good. Um, and they had one of those things before it, and it was very interesting because the guys who made the movie are twin brothers from Australia, and they started on YouTube, and it was what? their journey. It was genuinely so inspiring. I was like, I needed to fucking see this. But it was like their journey from making YouTube videos to then funding their first film and taking it to Sundance. Wow. And having Stephen King talk to them and see the movie and and share how inspired they were and to your point about like learning all the behind the scenes i was i was like excited to see the movie but i didn't really know anything about it but after watching that whole like little making of behind the scenes beforehand i was so pumped to watch the movie and then the movie really delivered um so yeah i think that would be so so smart
0: yeah, I really love that. Um, so now it's time for our favorite segment, The Glow Up, where we give props to those who turn their lives around, turn their brands around without our help. Fran, I went first. So why don't you go first for The Glow Up?
2: Okay. Well, as we know, everything old is new again. Uh, but what has been so interesting to watch is that Gen Z has really become obsessed with Y2K and they are bringing the camcorder back. I have been at multiple parties because you know I'm trying to be in these streets. Okay. And I've seen people with these giant camcorders more and more at parties. With like a videotape? Like an old school fucking put on your shoulder camcorder. (laughs) You can't even put it in your purse. It's so big. (laughs) And I'm seeing more and more retro footage on TikTok. And so I did some digging uh, to find out, like, am I just in- imagining this, or is this a real thing that's happening? Um, but it's 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 taking over the internet, where lots wow. of people are finding twenty-year-old digital cameras at thrift stores, and they're using them to create content instead of using their iPhone. Which, what a time we are old. Wow. So some of the quotes that I pulled about this phenomenon is that Gen Z is looking at older camera qualities and they're sort of reacting against the smoothness and efficiency and slickness of Hmm. social media. And so in addition to the potential to have more permanent technology, there's also this idea that like crisp and smooth isn't always better, which Gen Z really likes because they're really into the unpolished social media posts, Mm -hmm. you often see like- like,
0: Turn on your camera, you're still in bed, your bonnet's on. Yes,
2: your bonnet. Exactly. It's like all the TikTokers who like don't have makeup on Mm -hmm. or like um, they're filming from their car. There's no Mm -hmm. ring light. There's no glam Um, on Instagram. You'll often see like they call them like a photo dump and it's just a bunch of like random people. Sometimes you're not even in the photo. It's like someone's shoes or like the back of someone's head or it's like I need to
0: start doing that. A
2: little out of focus. Yeah. It's like it's this like authenticity thing that Gen Z is really craving um, and I saw this viral TikTok uh, that this girl was saying, this is your sign to get an old school digital camera and take a bunch of pictures. And some of the comments were like, oh, they came out so cute. And there was one comment that said, how do you get the photos afterwards?
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It was
2: hilarious. Back in the day, you had to put a cord in your camera and attach it to your computer to get the pictures out or you had to take the um, SD the, card yeah, to CVS yep. and they would print the pictures for you. And so it, I just thought that was interesting.
0: It's so funny. It's like that, do um, you see that that social media post about the kids who were like looking at a rotary phone in their parents' basement? And they had and they no were, idea like, how to use it. And they called their parent and they were like, oh my God. Um, I'm actually having the reverse of that Ooh. where I'm like, what do I do with the pictures on my phone? I take them. a lot of photos and do you what? should print
2: them I you know when you uh, I have printed pictures all over my apartment and my friends and they're they're all over my um refrigerator and sometimes I like I have like one of those little mini printers that prints like stickers so sometimes I print pictures oh. and I stick them like in my journal and stuff or you know she loves a gift I love to print a picture of me and a friend and put it in the the bag when I give you a gift
0: you know what? I'm actually. Let me fix it. I'm fixing myself based on what you're saying. I'm like, Ooh. why don't I just take my photos I take and like make a little photo book and like write a little note right. to friends and that'll Blow be like a gift.
2: Up photo albums. What Come on. like we used to sit around and like when you would go visit your grandma, she would pull out that photo album. Yes, and you would go through the photos. And I mean, the thing is, is like I love, I love how the iPhone has made creating things so accessible. But at the same mm. time, like. If I dropped my phone in a pool, I would lose all those photos. I don't how many of them. I know.
0: Gone. I mean, the cloud's there, but like sometimes it's not in the cloud. What if um, what if we have another Y2? What if the <laughs> next is shut Y2? Up. Shut Y2 up. Get Y2 off the Y2J. I don't know. I, <laughs> hate I hate you. Wait. Um, I just shot a short film and this was really interesting, just about the smoothness and crispness of of technology and video mm-hmm. technology. There was like I was looking at the camera that they were using and there was like um kind of a filter on the lens. Mm. And it was like sparkling. I was like, is there sparkles on your lens? And and the DP, the director of photography, the cinematographer was like, oh yeah, that just gives it texture. And I was like, oh shoot. They're adding texture to make something look, look like, like an older camera, <laughs> right? Because the technology is too crisp and too perfect.
2: Yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. so interesting. Also, you a flex. I shot a short film recently. Oh,
0: listen, I have people, I know friends. Okay, so what's your glow up? So my glow up is a little surreptitious, but of the same ilk of like you know the old becoming new again. Have you noticed that platform shoes have made a comeback in like the last five years?
2: Oh, listen, platform shoes never left this house. Did they never?
0: Oh, wait, but I feel like you wear a wedge though. You wear have a platform shoe. I I do like a. Wedge. You're a tall I, dame. I'm, I, I do. I'm gonna... I
2: do like a wedge. You know what it is? Oh, God, I feel so old. I like a platform because it gives you height without putting all the f- pressure on your foot because the top of your foot is also lifted. Whereas like when you normally have a heel, your toes oh. are like are straight down and you're putting a lot of pressure on the balls of your feet. But a platform mm. kind of lifts those bad boys up and it's almost like it's almost like a high heel that's like it's almost like a high heel, a mini heel disguised as a high heel, if that makes it's
0: sense. It's a high heel for an old person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes it is it's um, an orthopedic no. high heel <laughs> literally i mean it literally is um, but like the, the platforms uh, i've seen at least recently just like give 70s like you know i'm talking about bgs donna's summer pastel mm-hmm. bottom bell bottoms and they're kind of not stylish converse mm. is kind of really oh the converse ones
2: are weird looking there, i have some pictures white- in here Clunky. Yeah,
0: they're like this big white chunk. Oh God, no!
2: This is terrible. <laughs> Sorry, I just recoiled. This is okay. You know what they call these? These are called
0: dad sneakers. Uh, a real? I would call. I call it a moon shoot, guys. It's like <laughs> it looks. I don't know. It's like a big, chunky bottom with a huge deep. lace. It, it comes all the way up to your ankle and it's like a serrated bottom. It's terrible.
2: No, I hate it. Also, serrated bottom sounds like a, a homophobic
0: slur. <laughs> <laughs> he he tore my dick up. Serrated bottom.
2: <laughs> Thought you got a great a cheese grater in your butt.
0: Ha, <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. Oh, not a cheese cream. You are so dumb. Oh my God, I'm dead.
2: Well, whew, what a note to end this episode okay. on. I have tears in my eyes. That wraps up this week's episode. So now we would love to hear from you. Do you think that Blockbuster could make a comeback? What would you tell them to do? Or maybe you would like to suggest a musician, an actor, a brand, or a whole concept that we should fix in a future episode. Hit us up on Instagram at fixitpod.
0: And class, we have gotten so many great suggestions on IG that we cannot wait to record. Um, So please keep them coming.
2: Yes, and very exciting news. We now have an email address. So if you would like to suggest an episode topic or you want to ask us for some advice, please drop us a line, let me fix it pod at gmail.com.
0: Wait a minute. I love the idea of like letters from the class the episode where we pick Pitch fixes for our listeners. Ooh. You know, move over a young Levan fix your life. Yes. We're going to fix for you. We got you. And as always, if you enjoy this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app. I'm DeLon.
2: And I'm Francesca. And this was Let Me Fix It.
0: Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No <cha-cha-cha>. idea. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Where are you where in the I'm, world is DeLongren? <laughs>
0: um I'm in um I'm in Minnesota I'm visiting some family and friends yes. I haven't been in Minnesota in almost a decade so
2: wow yeah right What it is was, time
0: what is time well listen a whole <laughs> pandemic happened so like that is yeah part of you know whatever um yeah so I'm in Minnesota I got a little Airbnb because me me and my, you know, my sisters and I are having a little siblings Momo. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah I'm I'm in Minneapolis because when I was
2: yeah you and so. the siblings thing can't relate but love that <laughs> for
0: you.
1: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more